So, Patty, we have a really cool episode today. Of course, we got Greg from the Leaders in Payments podcast. We're going to get to him in just a minute. That was uh, very cool. I've been wanting to do a podcast with him for quite a while. I actually, I'm so glad I didn't realize it was him until this morning when I looked at the questions. And I was like, oh, this is going to be so cool because yeah. there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, symmetry between what he's doing and what we're doing. And of course, you're going to yeah. be featured on his podcast this week as well, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So he's interviewing me and we interviewed him. And so, uh, yeah, love it. Um, so we have that interview talking about kind of trends in the industry and what what you need to do to become a a leader. A leader. Um, then I go into the questions in the field and talk about how to 10x your merchant leads in 30 days. Uh you all know me. I'm not the clickbait guy. That's not what this is. This is a, I'm telling you, this is what, how you can 10 extra merchant leads in 30 days. And I'm um, telling you, I would go out and take every one of these tips myself today and there you go. probably get some good leads. Yeah, it's no doubt. It will work. Uh, and then Patty, tell us about the insiders. Uh, just some really good economic uh, reports. I mean, it's amazing uh, to when you see the numbers about the revenues that are being generated from this industry that we're all in right now. It's not in any way a uh, a dying industry nor is it a a a meager industry how how's no, that true? that's a good yeah that's a good way to put it yeah. yeah so good stuff well hey before we dive into this one always do my little disclaimer of course right. uh, greg and i talked ahead of time and we're excited to cross promote each other's uh, podcast because i think there's a lot of value on both sides there but of course greg's not a paid sponsor or consulting client or anything like that right but with that being said let's dive into this fantastic interview with greg let's do it Welcome to the Merchant Sales Podcast. Hey, everybody. Well, we have a special treat today. We're joined by Greg Myers, who is the host of the Leaders in Payments Podcast. How are you doing today, Greg? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Uh, it's really so, great to have another podcaster on. Yeah. <laughs> podcasters talking to podcasters. That's right, yes. right. You know, they do newscasters talking to newscasters, so we do podcasters talking Why to not? podcasters. Well, yeah, we're we're very excited about it. Uh, you know, Leaders in Payments podcast definitely, uh, you know, right at the top of my list of podcasts mm -hmm. that I enjoy. Um, fantastic one. And so, I mean, just right off the bat, obviously, if you were like, "What's the Leaders in Payments podcast?" You're missing out. Go find it, subscribe, and listen. But, um, Greg, before we get into talking about leaders in this industry and what it really takes, I want to hear your story. Uh, how did you get into this crazy industry? And then, what was your journey to creating this really cool podcast that you have? Yeah, thanks. I appreciate the opportunity to to tell my story. So, you know, I, I felt like most people, I fell into payments. It wasn't a big dream of mine to be a payments <laughs> professional. Um, this was back in 2006. I started with Chase Payment Tech, uh, was there about eight years, went to First Data for a couple of years. So, you know, did my turn at the big processors. Um, left First Data, started doing strategic marketing consulting, was fractional CMO for a couple of companies in the payment space, always did consulting in the payment space, and, you know, have been a, a B2B marketer my my entire life, so my background is, is marketing. Um, you know, between Christmas and New Year's of 2019, I had this idea for a podcast, and I said, you know, there's no podcast that gives leaders in our industry a platform to tell their story. So I reached out to like 10 CEOs that I knew and said, hey, if I create this, would you be a guest? And about eight of them said yes. And I was like, well, crap, now I got to figure out how to do a podcast. <laughs> so I did that. I uh, actually started, I think the first episode was January the 13th of 2020. Um, Brian Gowdy, who's the CEO of Aurora sure. Payments, was my very first guest on the show. Guy. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure you know Brian, yeah. well respected in the industry, and and so that was kind of how it all started. And really, 
you know, I built the platform to do just that, give CEOs and founders of companies just the ability to come on, tell their story, talk about the company, talk about the industry, talk about their personal journey, how they got to the roles that they, they are in. Um, you know, and that's led to a few other things that we've done. You know, we have a Women Leaders in Payment series. We have a Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion series. We have a Financial Inclusion series. Some areas in payments that I felt were a little underserved and uh -huh. that needed more visibility. So that's sort of the, the background story and how it all started. And now we're uh, just launching today our 268th episode. Excellent. Wow. That's fantastic. So, my first question for you, now that we have heard your story and, you know, for our audience to have this context that you've talked to, I'm, I'm sure you've talked to some leaders more than once, but I mean, hundreds of, of leaders in the payments industry. What do you see as the primary challenges that are facing leaders today in this industry? And what are you seeing the best leaders doing to adapt to those challenges and overcome them? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think there's there's three main, main things that I hear and, and that I talk about. And, and the first one is, for a lot of companies, it's the financial markets, right? They've changed dramatically, right? Mm -hmm. A year ago, two years ago, money was easy to find. Money was cheap. Yep. Spending was no big deal, right? It was all about growth, growth, growth. And now it's hard to find money. It's expensive. And it's all about finding that path to profitability. So I think that's what the best leaders are doing is saying, hey, I can't rely on going out and raising more money. I've got to figure out how to make this business work with right. what we have. So I think that's number one. Um, number two, I think we're going to talk a lot about this during during this entire session is really this embedded finance kind of idea. Right. And yeah. and I kind of look at it and say, you know, we've all heard that term death of the ISO. And often, you know, we, we know that's not true, but I think there are a lot of implications about embedded finance and, you know, embedded payments as part of that. So I think that's another challenge that a lot of, you know, companies have and CEOs have is how do we. Yeah play in that market. And then I think the third one is just sort of your everyday challenges when you're a leader of any business, right? How do I go out, hire the right people? How do I build a team? How do I get them to stay at my company? You know, how do I grow in a disciplined way? You know, what is that path to profitability? And I think, you know, those are, are standard things that I hear CEOs talking about. And, you know, any business, I think, has has that concern, right? And then, you know, as part of that, I think also from a CEO's perspective is, how do I not get sucked up into to worrying about that shiny object? Like, what's the next big tech trend? How's my business going to use AI? How am I going to do open banking? How am I going to adapt to FedNow and faster payments and crypto? So I think it really comes down to how do they focus, right? How do they mm -hmm. not, if those things aren't relevant to their business, you know, how, how do they, you know, think about that? So I think those are sort of the top three that that I hear and think about. Yeah, yeah, that's, those are, are, are pretty wide open. But I'm wondering, what about the flip side, you know, um, the opportunities? What do you see some of the opportunities today, for, especially for the ISO aging community, and maybe some ideas of what they can be doing um, to position themselves to take advantage of these opportunities? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, you know, I think the answer is easy, but it's not simple. Right. I think that the ISO and, and agent community really has to figure out how they can play in this space where software companies are owning the merchant relationship. Right. Yeah. How right. do they sell different products and how do they have different products? Right. Mm -hmm, so it's mm -hmm. this whole concept of embedded finance and software companies being kind of the lead. And how do ISOs adapt to that? And, you know, 
when we talk about lending and insurance products and banking mm -hmm. products like checking accounts, I mean, you can go down the list payroll, like, are they going to offer those? Are they going to go build products or are they going to partner with people? But I think that the days of having one product payments and trying to sell that I think are over. And I think it's also, you know, what I like to do is use this visual of a, of a strip mall or a shopping center, right? You've right. got 15 businesses, you've got the grocery store, the dry cleaner, you know, the, the hairdresser, the nail right. shop, right, right, right. right. So, you know, there was a time, right, where you pull up with your car, you have a bunch of terminals in the truck and you start at one end, you go down to the other end and you sell terminals because that's what everybody needs. Those days are long gone, right? So I think ISOs have to really figure out how, if I look at that visual of those businesses, how can I play? How can I have a solution for each? Or do I pick a vertical? Do I say, hey, I want to focus and be the best ISO that sells to dry cleaners and partner with the best software companies and build the right products and build the right solutions? So I think that's that's kind of where they have to step back and, and look at it. And mm -hmm. I think as much as that's a challenge, right, to me, it's the biggest opportunity, right? Sure. That's where the market is heading. And that's where mm -hmm. the opportunity is, I think, for these ISOs. Yeah, sure, sure. Well, in your interviews with, with industry leaders, what stands out for you as the as some of the character traits or habits of the what you consider to be great leaders and what does it really take you know to build a successful business in this industry yeah i mean i think for our industry it's not different than than most right i think you know as a leader you have to be humble you have to have integrity empathy build that team around around you that you can trust i mean you know, how do you build that strong team that can can lead? I mean, I don't think that's different than other spaces. So I mm -hmm, think right. from a leadership perspective, it's, it's sort of most of the same traits that you see in other places. I think as far as building a successful business, I, I again, I, I think it's not different than other industries, right? It's how do you find that problem and then build the solution? I mean, I think the days of a me too business are over. I think yeah. it's just too hard to you know, create a business that does exactly the same thing and and outwork someone, right? It's mm -hmm. about finding that problem, building the solution. And then mm -hmm. what's your unique differentiator? I mean, I asked that question in my interviews. What makes you different than your competitor? Exactly. And That's probably the biggest question I ask also as an interviewer, because it's yeah. like there's so many people out there seemingly doing the same thing, right? Yeah. But but you and I both know, and all three of us know that it might not necessarily be the same thing, and and it's and it's those subtle changes, it's those subtle differences, right? Is that what you're? If I'm not, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, I I think you know, I think as a leader, the the CEO has to figure out how to position themselves in the marketplace to win. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's looking at what does the competitive nature look like? And then how do I fit to where I'm doing something that's unique and different and positioning myself to win? And, you know, in our industry, you know, it could be customer service. It could be building, you know, customer journeys the right way. Mm -hmm. It could it be, be onboarding. You know, solving, onboarding. Yeah, there are so many things that you could do and be successful and then, you know, I think the last part of it to me is really focusing. And I kind of mentioned that before, mm -hmm. but focusing and getting the fundamentals right, right, right? That's how you build a successful business. And it sounds so simple, but it, it really is hard to do. But the formula is there. The formula exists on how to build a successful business. But I think it starts with finding the problem, 
building the solution, having a unique selling, you know, differentiation, and and then, you know, focusing and and following the fundamentals. Yeah, you know, I was thinking as you were talking about that, Greg, that, you know, when I first got into business, I remember thinking that business was all about finding opportunity. And, you know, I got to, I need, I need opportunity. You know, I was early twenties, didn't seem like anything was happening, you know? And as you become successful in business, what you realize is that actually <clears throat> there's an, an unlimited amount of opportunity. It's about choosing the right one and saying no to everything else. Right. Cause like you, the focus, I love that, you know, because if, if you don't say no to just about everything, you're right. not going to accomplish anything. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. You know? Totally so, agree. Yeah. Well, yeah. So one of the other thoughts I had here is, um, you know, I always like to think of the crystal ball question. And of course, you know, the crystal ball does not exist. But well, you remember, as somebody told me one time, James, those yeah. of us who try to read crystal balls usually end up with glass in our mouths. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Right. Yeah. I love it. Um, that makes sense. But uh, in this hypothetical crystal ball, as we look at the payments industry over the next three to five years, and as you talk to payments uh, executives and leaders who um, are thinking about these trends, what do you see as the big ones, the big three to five, whatever it might be? What do you see as some of these really big trends that you think are going to have huge uh, fundamental um, impacts on the, the payments world? Yeah, you know, we've talked about one of them already is this concept of embedded finance. I, right. I think it's huge, right? I think it, it's it's playing across all markets, right? I mean, focusing on more small business, I think enterprise and, and large businesses have sort of a, a different kind of set of challenges. But when we look at small businesses, this, this concept of embedded finance and how software companies have really become the operating system for these small businesses. Right. And I think that that's huge. And, you know, you've got banks who are trying to get into that space, ISOs, ISV, I mean, you name it, That that's kind of, to me, the future. And it's really the companies that are going to do that the best and figure out the right strategies. How mm -hmm. do I add lending as a solution? How do I add payroll? I mean, all those things that we know about. But to me, that's like the number one kind of trend that I see. And it, it's not like it started yesterday, right? I mean, right. it's been around for 10 years, but I think yeah. it's really gained that momentum and that speed. And I mean, it's here to stay. And, and I think, you know, these companies have to get on board with it. Um, the second one, I've kind of coined this in, in my mind, something called anytime, anywhere payments. Right. Mm -hmm. So think omni-channel, think self-service right. kiosks, thinks all the mobile solutions from QR payments to tap on phone to mobile mm -hmm. wallets. I mean, you name it. To me, that is another aspect that I think has sort of always been around and we maybe used to call it omni-channel commerce. But I think now it's really and, and really COVID helped accelerate this in a lot yes. of ways. Right. Sure. How do businesses, retail businesses in you know particular, they've got to accept online, they've got to accept in store, they've got to accept mobile at the curb, you know, delivery. They've got all of those challenges. And I think that's just going to continue to expand. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be mm -hmm. even more ways, you know, you bring self-service into it. Now I don't even need this retail storefront. I've got my products in, you know, a self-service kiosk in a mall or in an airport. I mean, you just keep expanding that anytime, anywhere payments. Right. Sure. And when you think about that, you know, this whole Gen Z, you know, group that is, is upcoming business leaders, I read some stats, 98% of them have a smartphone. Yes. 91% of them had a smartphone before they were 16. And I so, bet you, you could probably say that same percentage of them has never stepped inside a bank. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. I mean, right. 
Yeah. So I think all of the ways that businesses accept payments and interact with customers, it's so digital and it's just going to get more, right? right I mean, right. You know, I have a, a 19 year old daughter and I mean, I don't know what she can't do on her phone, right? Mm-hmm. They do mm-hmm. everything. Doesn't on their it make phone. you crazy though? I mean, it does me. I was like, wait a minute, Aunt Patty, here it is right here. I'm like, come on, I didn't even finish the sentence yet. Right. I hear you. I hear you. So, I mean, I think that whole concept is a huge trend in the next three to five years. It's going to gonna just continue. Um, and then I think there's kind of lumping all of these tech innovations together. I mean, there's so many of them. It's, it's kind of hard to break yeah, one out as a major sure. trend. But, you know, you've got real-time payments. You've got open banking. You've got A to A payments. You've got blockchain, crypto. Buy now, pay later is not going anywhere. So all of those, you know, we could, we could have whole sessions on any of those. Mm-hmm. But I kind of lump those all together as like things that are moving in the market that when you lump them together become, you know, one big trend and and companies have to figure out, you know, how am I going to react to those, right? So I think to me, those are kind of the top three things that I feel like are going to move the industry in the next three to five years. And it sounds to me like most of what you're saying too, is that they're all technology driven, right? Yeah. I mean, think about the anytime, anywhere payments, that's all phone. I mean, that's all all mobile, right? That's technology. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. So as we think about that and we think about these trends um, and the direction of the industry, one thing I like to think about is kind of the balance of power. So it's been so interesting to me. I, I've been in the industry now for, I guess, uh, about 14 years. And um, when I when I look at even since I got into the business, if we break down these organizations, so we have, you know, the ISO, uh, we have the ISV or the software company, the PayFAC, you know, these, you know, which when I got into the industry had basically no power, really. Right. Uh, right. The, you know, it was, back then it would have been Micros and, and Aloha that were the the right. hardware and software and it didn't have anything to do with the payments, really. Um, then you've got the acquirers or the big processing companies. And then you've got the issuers that are issuing the cards, um, which I guess I can lump in the card brands with that side of the, kind of the issuing side. Right. Um, you know, how do you see the balance of power shifting and where is it at today, Greg? Like, how do you see that changing over time as these players all have to adjust to these trends? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I go back to thinking about when I first got in the industry and, and you had Chase, First Data, right. uh, Global Payments, Elevon. I mean, they all, in a way, owned or had the leverage in the industry, in my right. opinion. Yep. Um, and it's funny, I, I tell this story often. It's like when I was at Chase Payment Tech, we, we thought we were innovative because we took a regular terminal that always was a black terminal and it was, I, I had the idea, I was like, well, we're Chase and we're known for being Chase Blue. Why don't we make the terminal blue? <laughs> and like, that was innovation back that then. That was innovation. <laughs> right. I mean, how crazy is that, right? Yeah. So, you know, I used to walk into these real retail locations and see these blue terminals and you think, oh, wow, that's that's cool. Now, I don't, they're probably all in the trash somewhere or, right. you know, paper, yeah. you know, paperweights. But um, anyway, so that that was a different time, right? 2010 hit. And that was the birth of Square and right. Square disrupted the industry big time. And I think Stripe was founded in 2010 as well. Yeah. So both disruptors in the industry. And I think that disruption has kind of continued. Yeah. And I think, you know, today, I feel like at least when we want to talk specifically about kind of the ISO and small business space, I feel like these SaaS software companies that we've been talking about, these very vertically focused software companies, I feel like they have the leverage today. Yeah. And I, I feel like they own that customer relationship. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, when when you're a, a big company and you have 
you know, portfolio turnover every year of 25%. And you're, you know, you every, you know, what is that? Every four years, you have a whole new a portfolio. Whole new portfolio. Yeah. That's crazy, right? And now with these SaaS companies building these sticky products that are the operating system for these small businesses, that attrition is going to go down to near zero, right? I mean, yeah. it's going to be hard for them to move. So I feel like, you know, truly, James and, and Patty, that these this leverage that these software companies have is tremendous when it comes to these vertically focused companies. Yeah, yeah and, I, and I think I think it's interesting too because ultimately the the real leverage is the distribution with those uh, right. with those relationships. The fact that they you know, and, and like I have a software company that does property management for self-storage. And so we have these self-storage property owner relationships. And so we can then bring in, and like right now we're looking at, um, you know, property insurance, you know, the idea of like, if you put yourself in a self-storage unit, you can get insurance on it. Well, guess who has all the leverage? We do, because we're the gateway to that relationship. So we go to the insurance companies and say, hey, what kind of a deal are you going to cut with us so we can provide the service? So it's, you know, like embedded finance in general, whether it's insurance or banking or payments or whatever, sure. it's it's that it's that relationship that you have. And so I think it's interesting, right, Greg, because the ISOs are so good at building relationships with merchants. They just haven't quite figured out how to focus it in a way that's going to give them right. this leverage. Is that is that what you're seeing in the market as well? 100%. 100% agree with you there, James. Absolutely. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, and that's the thing I love about it is when, you know, you mentioned earlier the death of the ISO and what I look at it is it's, it's this interesting um, transformation of the ISO. It's the, there are absolutely ISOs now that are dying and that will continue to do that because they refuse to change. But then we're going to have these other ISOs that are going to say, Hey, wait a second. We're actually a lot better at walking into businesses and selling them than square or toast. We just have to get a similar strategy where we got to bring in the technology side and we got to get focused and then, you know, see them succeed. Right. And so I'm excited to see that. Um, okay. Last question for you. This is gonna be a really tough one. You've done so many great interviews and interviewed so many fantastic leaders. Oh, no. in the You're not industry. gonna put them on the spot, are I'm you? I'm gonna James? put them on the spot. Oh we got, no. I wanna hear, I wanna hear the top, I don't know, two or three or whatever. What are some interviews that really stood out to you uh and why? You know, what what was it about that leader or, or their strategy that just kind of stuck with you? And, all these and it'd be a good promo for our listeners to listen to those. Interviews. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which one, should, which one should they start with? Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, you know, the number one um, episode that, that has stood out to me relatively recently, we did an episode. It was actually 250th episode and it was with Obi Rawls. I thought so you were going to say Obi. Know, <laughs> OB, you know, he, he's a great guy. He's been in the industry for a long time. I met him when we both worked at First Data. And, you know, I was traveling there every other week and he used to come sit in my office and just, you know, he's a great storyteller and yeah. he has so much insight and integrity. And, you know, talking about relationships, that guy has them all, right? Yeah. And so that episode is just, I mean, it's just such a great episode to hear him talk about his background how he looks at the industry. So, I mean, I recommend that one. I mean, it's really, it's been it's sort of been my favorite. I mean, it's hard to pick mm -hmm. one, but right now yeah. that's, that's kind of the one. And then, you know, the second one, I mean, I have to give, you know, I have to give some love to Brian Gowdy and, you know, he was the very first episode. Yeah. So without him being first, I wouldn't have a well, podcast. I had a 250th. <laughs> yeah. So I, I have to uh, thank Brian for that. And and then, you know, there's been several people, I mean, um, Paula at Rowe, who's now CEO over at Stacks, when she was at Paysafe, she was on the show. Talbert Roche, who's the CEO of Black Hawk. Um, mm, uh, yeah. 
Flint Lane, who was the CEO of Bill Trust, um, VJ Sandy. I mean, oh, yeah. I mentioned these people because, you know, they're all passionate about payments. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think when you hear, you know, when 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 I do an interview, like I can tell, like I've done enough of them, I can tell when someone's passionate about our industry. Right. right? right. And you know, they're all humble people. They're all passionate about payments. They're all you know great leaders in every sense of leaders. So I mean, it's hard to pick you know more than those yeah. those couple. But I think you know those few that I mentioned, all great episodes, all great people in our industry. And you know, I, I don't think anyone will go back and, and listen to 250 of them. But um, if you want to, by all means, please do. But um, yeah, those are just a few that I think kind of stand out and, and were really, you know, good ones, sure. I thought, in, in you know, from an interviewer perspective. Yeah, good Great. stuff. Good stuff. So uh, we definitely want to highly recommend the Leaders in Payments podcast. So before we let you go today, Greg, please share with our audience. Uh, obviously, I know they can go to the, whatever their favorite podcast app is and, and find Leaders in Payments. But uh, where would you send them to learn more, a website or a social media profile, or where should they go to learn more? Yeah, you can just go to, you know, www.leadersinpayments.com. It's leadersinpayments.com. Um, that's that's where all of them are. There's information about some of those other programs that I talked about. Um, you know, you can also, to your point, James, you can go, we're on, I think, 26 different podcast directories from Apple to Google to Spotify, you right. name it, anywhere you go, Amazon, iHeartRadio, you name it, we're there. Um Obviously, you can go to those and just search for leaders and payments and, and find all the episodes there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the website is the, the best place to to find the information in the podcast. Awesome. Oh, that's good. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, Absolutely. Greg, it's uh, such a pleasure having you on the podcast. Uh, it's been a real pleasure. I've enjoyed the insights that you shared. I love the work that you're doing with the Leaders and Payments podcast. Keep up the great work over there. We enjoy it for sure. And so thanks for taking the time. Yeah. No, thank you, James. Thank you, Patty. I really appreciate your time. Ah, it was awesome. So, Patty, this episode today is brought to you by Natibia Banking, but not just Natibia Banking in general. It's brought to you by the new payment professional card. Yes. Natibia Banking has actually made a card for payments professionals. I think this is so cool. I mean, when when they announced this, when James and I were at the Nativia Banking Conference, I was so excited about it that I immediately signed up for it because as everybody knows, I don't necessarily sell, but I am a payments professional. And uh, the idea that we have our own card, I just thought was really cool. Yeah. But it also shows the, um, you know, demonstrates the, um, the real solid backing for this, the ISO community that Nativi is providing. Yeah, I love it. So if you want to go get your uh, professional card, it may, you know, there's a limited amount initially, but it will open back up shortly because they had the big conference as, as uh, Patty right. mentioned. And uh, so we were both there, uh, got our cards. But if you want to get yours, go to nativia.com slash banking. So it's nativia.com slash banking right at the top. <clears throat> at the time of this recording is a, is a thing that says banking right. services that reward you and you can see your professional card and you can sign up uh, to yeah, get do your it. Account. It'll be fun. So, yeah, it's awesome. So there's unique rewards involved. Uh, the payments mm-hmm. industry going to be unique events, um, all that sort of thing. But at the right. end of the day, it's just a really cool card and you're uh, kind of, hey, I'm a payments professional and I have my payments professional card. Exactly. So I thought that was pretty cool. So anyway, go check that out. Lots of other cool stuff we'll talk about with Nativia Banking. But again, head over to Nativia.com slash banking. Check it out. This is Questions from the Field, brought to you by ccsalespro.com, the leader in merchant sales training and technology. If you're an individual merchant sales professional, 
visit ccsalespro.com forward slash training to get a free 14-day trial of our all-access pass. If you manage a team of merchant sales professionals, visit ccsalespro.com forward slash ISO to learn how we can help you grow. And now, here is Questions from the Field with James Shepard. So, Patty, in today's questions from the field, I'm going to do a uh, another slight plug here for the ISO Alliance, but it's uh, because I got this topic from something I'm doing. So, uh, for the month of November, for our ISO Alliance members, I uh, which I guess by the time this airs, it'll already be November, but I've been working on uh, 10x your merchant leads in 30 days. This is this is the topic, and I wanted to talk about this a little bit because it really gets ignored a lot. So, in our industry, one of the biggest challenges is just creating good leads. And mm -hmm. for so long, this was kind of a solved problem with uh, appointment scheduled leads from telemarketers. Right. And you know, when I get into the industry, it was like, I got three appointments a day from my telemarketer. A lot of our listeners maybe had something similar to that. And maybe now you want an ISO. And so, um, you know, what I created for our ISO Alliance members for November is I created um, two different eBooks, one on uh, one called Solving the Point of Sale Puzzle, and the other one is called uh, Where's My Money? And it talks about you know, how payment processing works and how to deal with the costs associated with that. And these are gonna be branded and, and given you know, the logo for each of our members to utilize. And then I have a um, training course and a script that they can provide to telemarketers to actually call businesses and offer to bring them this free uh, book. And we have a printed version and an, and an eBook version. And, you know, the power of this is hard to overstate because, you know, in our industry, what's happened is we've gotten to the point where, you know, the ISOs, if, if they're going after this like really specific vertical, then usually they do all of this online marketing and they do that, that sort of thing. And I talk about this a lot in this uh, consulting document I share with the ISO Alliance where they, they get these first two phases right, which is they're getting brand awareness and then mm -hmm. they're getting the understanding of making sure that people understand there's a problem. Then they try to generate interest. And they still do that online or via drip emails and stuff. And that mm. doesn't work very well. Just you need salespeople, yeah. you know? Yeah. Well, then we have the, the ISOs on the other side. They just go straight to trying to generate interest. So people are walking off the street and saying, hey, do you want to buy credit card processing for me? Hey, do you want my point of sale system? Do you want a demo? And they're missing the brand awareness and the understanding of the problem. And so what's interesting is I feel like our industry and the, the ISOs in particular and even ISBs are, are uniquely positioned to dramatically increase the number of leads and the quality of leads by leading off with some kind of content. And in this situation, it's the idea of reaching out and saying, hey, we wrote a, you know, we wrote a, a little pamphlet that we want to get in the hand of every small business owner in the local community. It's going to help you solve some problems and challenges you're facing with understanding your point of sale system. Just something we want to give you for free. When's the best time we could come by and put this in the hand of the owner of the business? So that approach is incredibly effective. You're going to find that you're actually able to dramatically increase the number of leads that you get. Usually you can get around 10 times as many leads that way versus, hey, I want to wow. schedule an appointment to talk about your whatever, mm -hmm. you know? Well, What's interesting is not only do you get 10 times the leads, but when you come in, it's not like these leads are really any worse. Like yeah. at, at, when they're you probably go in, better. they're better. And, and your salespeople have so much of a better experience because when they walk in, yeah. the first thing they say is, hey, you know, nice to meet you. Here's your free copy of this pamphlet. Right. Right. And then they can move into more of an education approach of, hey, you know, what I'd love to do for you is a free point of sale analysis, which is something we provide to all of our clients for free mm -hmm. when they you know get started. So whatever that approach is, this idea of that, um, one of my consulting clients, yeah. I just um, I just talked to one yesterday. Patty, you'll get a kick out of this. One of my consulting clients, I help them uh, local, a local ISO. 
I helped them launch their podcast. So we edit oh. the podcast for them. I gave them all the, the notes on how to do it, how to create your uh-huh. podcast. So it's just a local business podcast for their city, right? Uh-huh. And uh, I showed them, I gave them a script and showed them how to have uh, telemarketers call and they're calling business owners to just ask them if they will subscribe to the podcast. Okay. That's it, right? That's the only pitch. It's just, we have a right. podcast. Would you, can, you know, we'd love to send it to you. What email should we use? They're generating 30 to 40 new email subscribers. These are local business owners a day, a day. Okay. With like two callers. All right. I'm doing this with CC storage right now. We generate about 20, 25 a day with one caller. And here's, what's crazy about that. Now I just talked to them earlier today and now they're salespeople, local salespeople. Now they're going to start going out and canvassing and going to these people and saying, Hey, thanks for subscribing to our podcast. Here's a free pamphlet that we put together for them. Right. And that we do this whole, for you now. Yeah. Right. right. And, and then it's sure. like, oh, by the way, we also offer a free point of sale analysis or whatever. Right. Sure. I'm just saying. That's awesome. What yeah. an opportunity. Right. You know, to, to really generate some substantial leads. Yeah. And it seems to me that uh, it, that alone would make the ISO Alliance worthwhile. But I'm sure you have far more planned. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But but yeah, that's the idea of the ISO Alliance. But it's I hope some of you will just take these ideas and maybe you're maybe you're not a member of the ISO Alliance. Maybe that's not realistic for you right now. That's fine. But but what could you do to add value to local mm-hmm. businesses through content, right? And right. then how can you change your sales process to get that brand awareness that, hey, our company stands for something. We stand for helping small business. We want to educate all of that, right? And then moving into understanding there's a problem in the solution. So um, hopefully you can take that and run with it. If you're interested in the ISO Alliance, um, I'll give you a, two different links you could check out. Uh, one of them is ccsalespro.com slash ISO Alliance, just like it sounds, ISO Alliance. Um, but if you go to ccsalespro.com slash ISO Alliance, that will change, that page will change depending on which month you go. So if you go when this airs, you're going to see in November all the deliverables that we give for just that one month. Uh, yeah. The consulting documents that you get, the the branded marketing materials, the landing page for the ebook, the different ebooks, print and uh, digital, uh, Facebook ads that we give you for it, a training wow. course for your telemarketers, a script for your tele. I mean, it's like everything you need to 10x your leads in 30 days. So if you want to check that out, head over to ccsalescom slash ISO Alliance. If you just want to get a broader picture of like, what is the ISO Alliance? What's our vision for it? Of course, go to isoalliance.com. And there's a much more extensive page there with all the details about how we're going to get together in uh, June or July and have our big uh, enclave, at just ISOs only getting together, the, the uh, mastermind sessions and all of that. So definitely head over to isoalliance.com and check that out. Uh, and with Great. that, my plug is done, Patty. I mean, that's it. Okay, James. It was a great plug. <laughs> yeah, you sold me. I'll tell you. Well, it's there like, you go. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to that. I'm going to that thing in July. Well, of course, June. you're going to the Enclave. Yes, <laughs> we'll have you there for sure, Patty. But I mean, so. uh, it just sounds like the the materials that you've put together far more substantial than I had realized until you started talking about yeah, it. Yeah, and, so. and that's that's literally month. You know, that was that's, that's month just two. one month. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's right. it's exciting. So anyway, check yeah. it out. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate it. This is the Insider's Report with Patty Murphy, brought to you by The Green Sheet. For nearly 40 years, The Green Sheet has been the go-to source for news, analysis, and educational tools that empower and connect payments professionals. If you're not reading The Green Sheet already, check it out on the web today at www.greensheet.com. So James, you know, I want to talk a little bit, do a little economic update here. Okay. You know, we hear a lot on the news. I don't know about you, but it's like one day everything looks, you know, they say it's great. The next day, the economists are, you know, predicting dismal, you know. Of course. So despite all this uncertainty across the globe, as we know, 
Electronic payments remain a dynamic business, Mm. according to a new report from the uh, international consultancy uh, McKinsey. I always love McKinsey stuff because they, you know, years and years ago, they bought out one of the, um, I can't think of the name of it now, but one of the biggest U.S. banking uh, research companies. So it's like, anyway, revenues from payment services grew 11% last year. Wow. And exceeded 2.2 trillion. Oh, wow. Good night. McKinsey expects revenues to top 3 trillion by 2027. Wow. So, no, you know, that, just like what goodness. we're talking about here, and, and, you know, as our interview with Greg and, and your talk about the, you know, and the questions from the field, there's so much opportunity out there that, yeah, there is. you know, people can be, you know, uh, tapping into. I love this quote, though, from uh, the researchers. They said the payments industry's 2022 performance in terms of revenues and valuations shows ongoing change with opportunities for growth and margin improvement across geographies and products. Right. Now, for this report, they um, they analyzed uh, activities in, uh, let's see, around 25 payment products in 47 countries, accounting for 90 percent of global GDP. Wow. So broadly you know, speaking, the economies of the largest payments uh, revenue pools delivered, uh, obviously, growth above the mean. Yeah. Um, yeah. This includes the U.S., Brazil, India, of course, because India went through that big get get off of cash and go to electronics, mm-hmm. uh, electronic wallets, and then Japan. Um, sure. Here's a few other points from the report that I found interesting. Revenues from commercial payments are beginning to outstrip retail payment revenues in most markets, hmm. except North America, which continues to be driven by card payments. Yeah. But I, I think, as we've discussed in the past, with FedNow and now there being two real-time payment networks in the U.S., I think that's going to change a little bit. Yeah. I, um, I think you're yeah. going to see more B2B movement. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I found this really remarkable. Cash use usage fell 4% worldwide just in 2022. Wow. Hmm. Now this is testimony to the, you know, power of this fear of, you know, contamination, you know, the whole thing that came up with, with, uh, with COVID and also shows how the developing economies are moving more and more away from cash. Now I'm going to tell you, tell a little anecdote here. James and I were both at a conference last week, the Nativia uh, banking conference. I decided on my way out because I had forgotten to stop at an ATM. I'm going to, I'm going to be like James this time and I'm not going to bring any cash. (laughs) I will. So in fairness, I actually did bring cash to that one. Yeah. I ended up going to the ATM. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. But the the reason I did was because they had a poker room there and uh, right. And so. uh, Right. Right. Same. I I, I went, I wanted to do a little (laughs) bit of gambling. I mean, heck I was, I was a casino. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I couldn't use my card for that. So, but anyway, you know, the future is all about instant payments, uh, you know, where the report expects that it's going to be a huge driver of bank revenues going forward. So, yeah. you know, I just, uh, I thought I'd throw that out there for, you know, folks to sort yeah. of take heart. This is not a yeah. stagnant industry at all. Oh my, no. Yeah. What'd you say it was? Two point something trillion dollars in, in... 2.2 trillion. Yeah. Just, just in revenues. That's the Right. And, all, and all you're trying to find out there is you're trying to find your you want your million out of that. You That's know, all you one, want. 
I think that you should be able to you should be able to carve that out. Okay. You, you know, know what? I'd be happy with a half a billion myself. But. There you go. <laughs> uh, good stuff. Well, Patty, thanks, thanks so much Shane. for the update. Always a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Merchant Sales Podcast. Whether you are an industry veteran, processing executive, or just trying to learn about the payment space, we appreciate your time. The Merchant Sales Podcast is a joint production of Greensheet.com and CCSalesPro.com. And we hope you will tune in next week for more information and tips on building your merchant services business.